Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Today, uh, we've got a quote from the uh, website Goodreads, and uh, I think that's sort of like an online community based around books. I think people uh, can talk about the books they've read, uh, give little reviews, talk to each other about the books. Is that basically correct? Right, it is, exactly. Okay. So the quote you've given me is, She is my penultimate favorite author. I wish that I could find more writers with her style, her nuances, and her sense of brooding place. We almost certainly are going to be talking about the word penultimate in this in this phrase. And from what I understand about that word, this sentence is kind of just nonsense because penultimate means the the next to last item in a series of things. Right. So like I'm going to make up um, uh, what the decathlon is because I don't actually know what events are in a decathlon but let's say the last event is like the 1000 meter race and then the second to last event is the discus so the discus is the penultimate event in the decathlon that i just made up so it doesn't i don't understand what this person's trying to say exactly Uh, you're completely correct and the problem is penultimate is almost is very frequently used to mean the absolute ultimate and it doesn't at all it comes from the latin penne which means almost so it technically means almost the last. Or as you said in English, it now means the next to last. But I think people mistake it because it sound, pen sounds like it adds something to the ultimate to make it the absolute it sounds ultimate. Like a, yeah, it sounds like a, a hotsy-totsy ultimate, like a whoa ultimate as opposed Super to ultimate. Super ultimate, yeah. Yeah, the most ultimate thing you can ever... I had found one quote that I just loved, and it was uh, Bangor Daily News, newspaper, Bain, who... Um, they open the article saying, what is your penultimate goal in life? And I was like, are they actually asking? Like, they could be asking, like, what do you want to do before your ultimate goal? But I suspect not. One thing that, that is kind of a confusing thing is you said it correctly. You said penultimate is next to last. But now we have used it and I to mean second to last, which is technically correct, but can get dicier. Do you know what I mean? Tell me how. Because if you're counting something, which way are you counting from? Which way is it second from last, second to last? Whereas next to last is absolute. Do you see what I'm saying? Give me a more concrete example of what you mean. Okay, if something is last, second from last, is it the, the thing that's right next to last, or is it second from the last? Like there's last, there's next to last, and there's second from the last. We had gotten a letter saying that, and that's why I had to answer him from a guy named Ronald who said that penultimate was, we had said second from last, and that could be very different. I don't see why. The next, you have the last, and then you go back one, which is next to last. Yeah, if we're talking about a series of things, then I don't really see how that could be different. If we're talking about ranking things, then I could see how that would be different, but you wouldn't really use penultimate in that sense, would you? Oh, you always, your penultimate batter is correct. It's the second to last batter. It's like there's the penultimate batter and then there's the final batter. 
which incidentally, I was, I was saying to Ross earlier, is interesting is the one place we found penultimate almost constantly used correctly is in sports coverage, which makes sense because they're constantly writing about like penultimate matches, penultimate games, penultimate batters, penultimate whatevers. Okay, but now here's what he wrote. We talked about syllables. This is where I want to see now if he's right or if, if, if we, he said people use the term second from the last. So, oh, second from the last is what he's saying. That's different. Because he said now if you say the if you're talking about syllables, the last thing, if you start the last syllable of a word and you count backwards, then you've got first, second, third from the last. Mm-hmm. No, we're correct. Yeah, okay. I feel better. Carry on. <laughs> the other usage of penultimate that's almost always used is in uh, ancient Greek and Latin grammar books because you have to figure out the accent the ex accents when you're doing um when you're reading uh, poetry meters, etc., and then they have like a whole bunch more. They have uh, antepenult, which is the antepenultimate, which is the third from the last. But that gets sort of silly. <laughs> I, I think the key thing is penultimate does not mean the ultimate. It means almost the ultimate. It means the second from the series, second from the last. And that's what we need to know. Well, interestingly enough, in published in published works, penultimate became hugely popular. Um, it went, what kept going up from like about 1800 to about 1990 or so, and it started going down recently for some reason. I have no idea why, but second to last and next to last, when you plug them in, are less common than penultimate in published books. Oh, wow. How interesting. Isn't it? Because I would have thought you'd see second to last or next to last more often. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think penultimate's useful in that sense, though. It's a quick way of saying the penultimate batter, the penultimate syllable, or whatever. I think I can see where it would be used. But just don't use it to mean super ultimate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but actually, well, I'm just thinking about it. That we were talking about this earlier. Are there other penny words? There's pen peninsula, which is a similar word, almost an island. Not the second from the last of an island, but it's almost an island. It has the same... Uh, oh, but prefix, that penne. that pen comes from the same place. Yeah, almost. Oh, wow. Okay. Penne is almost an island, and pen and the penultimate, and technically, is almost the ultimate or almost the last. Although we use it as now technically to mean second from the end. And then I found one word just now looking on my cell phone. I was looking for penne words, and I couldn't find any that are commonly used except for peninsula. And this is a really weird one: penny seismic which means a region where earthquakes are only occur infrequently. So I guess Kansas would be penny seismic region, as would Toronto, but- uh, I do want to correct you just a little bit about Kansas. Um, because of wastewater injection wells, uh, we have had plenty of earthquakes over the past five or six or seven years, especially especially coming out of Oklahoma, but all, but also some in Kansas. And there was even a period of time we had more earthquakes than California. Wow, I didn't know that. That's really <laughs> fascinating. Because you always just think of California, or at least I do. Yeah, of course, of course. So I think th I think theirs are a little more naturally occurring. But... Yeah, I think so. I think there's a slight difference in cause. I just looked up, as we were talking, I just looked up the Oxford English Dictionary for penny words. They don't mention p penultimate, but I just looked at it, it is. But they have penny felonious, which is no longer used. Penny infinite, no longer used. Penna omnipotent, no longer used. Penna lake, sort of like we have peninsula, which is uh, you know almost an island. Penna Lake is an obsolete word for an expanse of water, almost surrounded by land. We never would use it. But I like pen Peninsula and Penna Lake as two sort of opposing ideas. But now, but but penultimate is pen. It's not penna. Well, the a e became uh, e in English, and then the e dropped off. The uh, final e dropped off in, in 
because of religion a lot of kind well of i mean i assume there was like there was a there was a some sort of a change but i'm just saying so are there any other pen words well we have one that kath and i were doing uh Penumbra. Penumbra. Ross had a fabulous example of penumbra. I mean, penumbra, let's start with, mainly means a partial shadow, like in an eclipse. It's the difference between the complete shadow and the complete illumination. And it also can mean like a periphery, you know, it, it, it's, it's extended to mean obviously more metaphorical penumbras. Now, Ross, what was that example you had that I loved? Oh, really? I thought yours was better, but I'll do mine first anyway. I think the one Kathy was referring to was a uh, rather famous mystery writer who shall remain nameless in England and an MP who says of Oscar Wilde and the Vampire Murders, I will be guarded by the dark penumbra. Those with the darkest secrets will be surrounded by the darkest shadows. Now, what's a dark penumbra? A dark light shadow? Was that the one you were talking about, Kathy? I think so. I thought it was, but I liked it better before. <laughs> I'll throw one more out, then Kathy will do her fabulous one. The heyday of Augustan Rome, this is from a scholarly book, coincides with the darkest penumbra of China. Again, we have the darkest light shadow of China. That doesn't make any sense. Well, that's because uh, uh, people too often use penumbra simply as a fancy way of saying shadow, and they don't understand it's a, dis there's, it's a very specific type of shadow. It's not merely a shadow. But now this one is from the New York Times, and this one I, it's, it's just, I, I don't, I, okay. This, I, I, in, my, in my head, it's just like, there's no question this guy is just trying to sound hotsy-totsy. Okay, here we go. And it's about, it's an article about a company called WeWork. It's commercial subletters. And the sentence, it's two sentences. From the perspective of both investors and customers, it's paramount that WeWork not be seen purely as a real estate arbitrageur. The focus on, quote, culture, unquote, affords it, here we go, a kind of magical penumbra of workplace retrofuturism. Oh, boy. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what does any of that mean? Thank you. <laughs> I think I'm going to start talking about magical penumbras of workplace retrofuturism often now and see how people react. I also found one, it was in The Guardian, when someone in, uh, it was talking about a modern masculinity retreat said that he had lived most of his life in the penumbra of women, which really sounded bizarre. It sounds obscene vaguely, too. Doesn't it? You sort of get like a little like, I don't think you should be telling me this in a newspaper, thanks. But could I throw out something, though, here? Because we did mention, and this is where I think it gets sort of tricky, because we did mention penumbra being on like the outer edge, the idea of like sort of beyond the pale or sort of in the pale. Correct. So it can be like a periphery. A periphery. And here's a, but this is where it gets dangerous, where I don't like using words that, that are sort of vague. This is from the Times Literary Supplement. And I was debating whether it's really correct or incorrect. I'm just going to read it and ask you guys. Andrew Garr has spent his career illuminating what he calls the dark penumbra around every early modern play, by which he means the largely unspoken assumptions about that stage that Shakespeare shared with his fellows and their audiences. That sounds right to me. Okay, but dark penumbra? I mean, I looked up dark. There can be a darker shadow, a darker, lighter shadow, in effect. Is that what you're... Or is he just saying the periphery? Yeah, because I because I think there it's not as much the shadow as the as the outlying area, like the like like the little tentacles that are going out and and that you don't know much about, and he's illuminating them. To me, okay, that does sound correct. Then, okay, I was just curious. Okay, but we go back into for me the problem is is if you're saying English is, is for communication, the fact the mere fact that we're all debate is that right? Is that what is exactly he meaning? Why use the word? I would argue, because if it, if it confuses. 
and, and you get hung up on the word. You're not thinking about what it's what the, the whole context anymore. I agree. In this case, I think, though, I sort of thought it was correct in the sense that he uses that word for his himself. And he has like a vision of what that word means. But in many cases, I don't I don't really think it's a great word to use normally. Although we did find that one legal thing I just had seen. Oliver Wendell Holmes, legal is where it's a, a number of this, uh, the range of application extending beyond the rights and privileges in other words, the law is specific to a certain area, but there is a penumbra around that. Again, it's the periphery. It's the pale or something. Correct. And, 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 and it's very often used in legal terms. It's used a lot, actually, when you in discussions of the Constitution. But I do think we have to be careful with the, with the word, I mean, in terms of usage. Well, I, I do think, though, workplace retrofuturism, I would always describe as having a penumbra. So what's a good alternative, then, for the word penumbra if it's something that we shouldn't really use because it's so commonly misunderstood what's a good what's a good alternative yeah i think actually we can use it for that peripheral idea i think we can i think we just have to be careful about not using it for dark shadows well i think that you should use shadow often when you use penumbra first of all like a lot of times penumbra is being used merely as shadow and i think shadow is better I do. I think penumbra, penumbra is being used there just to, like bemused we had talked about before instead of amused. I think it's used incorrectly when it when it's just a shadow. When it's a periphery, I I still think like like I had that thing about uh, it was in the Guardian I saw and they were talking about roads created a penumbra of noise pollution and ugliness, and that doesn't mean anything to me. I, he's right. It's technically that is correct saying a penumbra of noise pollution and ugliness, but. I, it's a, it, I picture a shadow first, and I, and I get confused. So there, I would say creating an area of, or an outline of, or a border of, or peripheral periphery of. I would. They're not as elegant, but I think that they they mean more to to the reader. I agree. I have to say one more thing. I don't know about you, Russ. I had found, and I, I can't find any right now. For some reason, and I've heard it more spoken than written. People have started using penumbra to mean plethora. Wow. Oh, wait, what? Oh yeah, and I think it's because you know P A, and it sort of sounds vaguely Latinate and, and vaguely the same. Not really, but you think. So I have heard people talking about, oh, I've had a penumbra of issues to deal with, and it's like, oh, have you? <laughs> you know, yes, you have. <laughs> Let's talk. You just said it. I found railroading creates a whole penumbra of problems. You're right. I guess it also sounds a little bit like it has the word number in it, so maybe people Oh, you're are, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very good, Fletcher. So you're pen, right. Actually, penumbra sounds more like it than plethora, because, I mean, you don't really think about lethoras. <laughs> 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 um, another one that uh, people use, and it's another P word, interesting. We're, all, we're sticking with the Ps We're today, quite alliterative realized. today, yes. Yeah, why not? Is um, preternatural. And this is a word that I've noticed is often used technically correctly, but it's really sort of ridiculous, I think. Preternatural in theology means suspended between the mundane and the miraculous. And what it means, more colloquially or more averagely, it's something that's beyond what is expected or normal. It's so, it's it's as if unknown forces were involved. I mean, Mozart's talent was preternatural because he was a child prodigy. And people use it often interchangeably with supernatural, which is something that's must be caused by a force beyond the natural. It's not as much as beyond normal as a supernatural. It's like a demon or an angel. Ross, you can cut in here because you're looking like you might want to. Uh, no, I was going to say, I actually agree with you, but the problem is in both cases, each word means the other also in the dictionary. And if they're commonly used, I mean, the distinction Kathy's getting into is sort of subtle. I looked at a exorcism page from the Vatican, which was talking about that thing. I'm sure Kath did too. And 
they were saying that demons can engage in preternatural activities, such as making an object levitate. They can do things that go beyond the material world, but they cannot act beyond their angelic nature. The supernatural powers, in other words, are those, according to this exorcist, that are godlike, preternatural or beyond nature. But that gets really, I mean, this is, and the actual supernatural initially was a religious term, meaning something, you know, way beyond only God can do it. And then it drifted into the mainstream, normal, uh, mundane world of language. And now we have two words that sort of mean the same thing. And I think technically, like Kathy said with Mozart, I think I would say he has preternatural uh, music, musical power rather than supernatural musical power. But both words have gotten so mushy that I we both don't like preternatural. Most people don't really use it. Well correctly or I, what bothers me is now it's it's used it's used really often now to mean extraordinary simply extraordinary i mean i saw a thing about like someone saying oh it was about a hair treatment i saw it in vogue and it said that the routine was the reason for the hair's preternatural shine and luster that seems a little much i mean mozart preternatural fine shiny hair not so much it's, <laughs> it's very shiny hair i don't think it's like phenomenal i mean it's not extraordinary look at your hair i mean some might feel that way but i don't and then i saw one they were talking about an actress being a preternatural fit to play a role and, and that's i think excessive i think I think that's someone trying to sound clever to me, at least. What do you think, Ross? Completely, I think so. I'm, I'm actually. I mean, I was seeing something with preternatural uh, Whole Foods the other day, and again, it just seems it was preternaturally good. The whole. I mean, it, it, I, I can't believe it's that amazing. The food or whatever. I like Whole Foods, I guess, but you know, I, I completely agree with Kath on this. I don't think it's a very useful word anymore, really. I think Kathy's right. You can say extraordinary. Yeah, it just seems overstuffed to me. It just seems like. It's, it's, it's excessive. It really is. I mean, and it bothers me. I, I saw another one about a, a cat hairbrush. I mean, I'm sorry, a cat hairbrush is not preternatural. I, I, I have cats, and they hair gets all over the place, and I love a really good brush that got it off the furniture, but I wouldn't call it preternatural. I would call it a really good cat hairbrush. It's interesting. We almost have like a register of levels of beyond the ordinary. We have extraordinary, and then we have preternatural, and then we have supernatural, and I guess we have paranormal would be one too, wouldn't it? But um, and don't forget penultimate. Penultimate, <laughs> yeah. But I think what Kathy's saying, what I'm saying too, is I mean, there's nothing wrong with using preternatural. I mean, it's fine. But sometimes, as Kath says, sometimes words are sort of overstuffed, and it's best to probably stick to things like extraordinary. And I have to tell you guys one thing though. I did find when I was just looking up for uses of preternatural. I don't know who did this, but I, I have found a person that I absolutely adore. Someone had set up a Facebook page or group. That, nothing ever happened with it, so it's just a title. And it was titled, Misuse Preternatural 10 Times a Day to See if Anybody is Listening to Me. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So it doesn't really sound like uh, we have a consistent rule for any of these. I mean, I think penultimate is uh, an entirely useful word. I still like penumbra at least when we're talking about the periphery. Uh, I think I'm with you on preternatural. We just don't really need it. But it, um, it it seems like at least some of these words we ought to still be able to use. People might misunderstand them, but they're useful words. Well, I think we agree with you, actually. Penultimate is very useful. I think I would use it. Preternatural, I don't think really is. I think supernatural or extraordinary 
covers uh, both sides of that word. Mm, I disagree. I think preternatural works really well for things like talent. I really do. Someone's preternaturally bright, like a little kid who's who's like incredibly. I think preternatural works. There. See, that's where I sort of disagree, though, because I would say extraordinarily bright. To me, preternatural has that slight feeling. Maybe I read that exorcism page too vividly, or whatever. But <laughs> I don't want to know what brought you there, boss. <laughs> no, but I get this sort of feeling of of sort of not necessarily demonic, but sort of mildly kind of out of the world but that, that's what i'm saying i think it does apply like mozart mozart i mean his talent i to me was preternatural i think that there it it implies a level of astonishment about it that's not covered in extraordinary oddly enough although extraordinary is extra out of the ordinary so doesn't it to you that's interesting yeah but extraordinary to me sounds like an ad thing like you get extraordinarily white teeth or something like that which isn't mozart when you're talking about talent like with mozart it, it makes me feel like he was sort of touched by the gods in some way if you say preternatural you know there there's something not just extraordinary but there is something almost slightly supernatural about it i agree with you so we're using it in effect as sort of a watered down supernatural a little bit yeah Uh uh-huh okay i'll go with that so at, at least with these words that we've been talking about we're definitely in one of those gray areas where where things are shifting uh as people misunderstand them more and more we we definitely don't have a hard and fast uh, idea of what we should do no we're we're in a penumbra if you will because it is like a very quasi shadow and i think that i think that this is one i think you just go by your gut i mean uh, there's there is no hard and fast rule i, I mean well yes there is you don't use penultimate to mean absolutely ultimate because that's wrong you don't use penumbra to mean plethora because that's wrong but you can use the words correctly and, and but they're confusing and sometimes they're stupid to be used to be blunt so maybe not in everyday conversation but if we're writing uh some sort of paper or some sort of review or something like that then as long as we're using the words correctly and we're sure that we're using the words correctly maybe there's maybe they're still okay there mm-hmm. i think so i think we can use them in, in speech as well i mean the penultimate batter when you're watching a baseball game i think is a fine fine usage and saying, like, you know, we're in the, I, I, in a legal sense with penumbra or whatever, I think we can use them even in speech. I've, I think, as Kathy and you both have said, we just need to be aware of what they really mean and be aware that we don't use them incorrectly. This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross Petrus's newest book, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means, at your local independent bookstore. Kathy and Ross have written a lot more. They're always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. Oh, and one more thing. And be warned, I'm about to talk about sports on a language podcast and a language podcast produced by Public Radio at that. But don't worry, I'll make it brief. I said up top I had no idea what events make up the decathlon.
but I thought it would only be responsible if I actually went and looked it up, and it turns out I wasn't totally wrong when I made up the last two events. The ultimate event in the decathlon is the 1,500-meter race. I said 1,000 meters, so I actually wasn't far off. The penultimate event is the javelin, not the discus, but still it's a thing you throw, right? And just for good measure, the antepenultimate event, that's the one before the penultimate, is the pole vault. The pre-antepenultimate one, that's the fourth to last, is the discus. There's my discus. And the pro-pre-antepenultimate event, the fifth to last, is the 100-meter hurdles. And then there are five others before that. Also, I just want to say, Ross mentioned the penultimate batter in baseball a couple of times. I have to point out that this is only something you could know after the game is over, not during the game. Because it's baseball. It ain't over till it's over. Anyway, there's your sports talk for the year.